Welcome to another week of Mum Will Know with me, Claire Wind, midwife and mum. Join me each week as we delve into topics from conception to kids in kindy with the aim to become confident and well-informed mums. Thanks so much for listening in and I hope you've come ready for part two of our Is Breast Best discussion. Last week, I talked through the idea of breast is best, highlighting the World Health Organization recommendation that all babies should be breastfed exclusively for the first six months and then continue to be breastfed alongside complementary foods until two years of age or more. I then went into highlighting 10 benefits of breastfeeding from others. If you haven't listened into that episode, it's worth jumping over there first and then coming back to this one so you get all the information. I also discuss my thoughts on formula feeding in part one. So before anyone gets upset with me that I've completely disregarded mothers who can't breastfeed, listen into part one. Okay, so today in our part two of Is Breast Best, I want to unpack some benefits of breastfeeding for babies and then finish up with some tips or factors that are helpful in establishing good breastfeeding practices, things that hopefully can assist you when starting out so that you have a positive breastfeeding experience. So let's jump right in to benefits for baby. Firstly, breast milk is made up of all the energy and nutrients a baby needs for its first six months. There is no need for any additional food or water or anything else. Breast milk has it all. From 6 to 12 months, breast milk continues to provide more than half of a child's nutritional needs when complementary foods are added into a baby's diet. Secondly, breast milk specifically changes to match a baby's needs as it grows. Now, this is massive, so I might draw it out and explain all these incredible little changes that happen so that you can see how perfect breast milk is for your baby. So for one thing, at birth you'll find you have this really small amount of thick, yellowy, sticky stuff coming out of your nipple that doesn't heaps look like milk. This is what's known as colostrum. Colostrum is made up of a highly concentrated mix of proteins, nutrients and immunological components and it's quite low in fat. So it's quite easy for a baby to digest and is designed to help your baby start his or her development and build up an immune system. Young babies have immature guts, so thankfully two-thirds of the cells in colostrum are white blood cells, which protects against infections and produces antibodies that helps to fight infections. Colostrum also acts like a bit of a laxative, making your baby poo frequently. This is helpful, actually, in reducing the baby's risk of jaundice, which is a yellowing of the skin. As the bowels are emptied of everything the baby's ingested whilst in the womb, coming out as meconium, which is that black tar-like poo the first few days. By around two to four days, your breast milk should come in. So basically, that's when you feel like you've had some horrible boob job, where your breasts are rock hard, sometimes lumpy and massive. At this stage, they produce what's known as transitional milk, the milk that lasts till about week two when mature milk becomes baby's long-term nutrition. In this transitional period, the milk changes on a daily basis as your baby's needs change. This transitional period is where building supply is most important, so regular feeding where baby stimulates the breast often will increase your milk supply. 
Transitional milk has higher levels of fat and sugar than colostrum, but protein content decreases as it's diluted by a higher volume of milk being produced. And as your baby is now starting to develop her own immune system, she requires less help from mum, which means that the amount of minerals and antibodies drops. After the transitional milk comes the mature milk, which generally has the same makeup from one month to a year or far beyond. Mature milk contains higher quantities of components to protect the baby from bacterial and viral infections. What's most impressive is that if you or your baby gets sick with an infection, the percentage of white blood cells in your milk increases rapidly to specifically fight that infection. And then when your baby gets older and starts on solids, the volume of milk decreases, concentrating those immune components, therefore boosting the baby's immune system further. You can imagine this is exactly when it's needed as babies start to grab things and put everything they can touch in their mouths. All milk has fats and sugars and other components in their makeup, but breast milk alone has a unique composition of complex sugars and a blend of fats, proteins, and micronutrients that are essential in gut, immune system, and brain development. Basically, the makeup of breast milk is in no way able to be replicated. Again, when looking into changes in breast milk, you'll notice there are certain times in the child's first few years where your baby feeds more frequently. This increases fat content in breast milk, which times actually perfectly with the stages of baby's growth spurts. As mentioned earlier, breast milk changes when your baby's sick. Research shows that when a baby breastfeeds, saliva passes signals to the mother that more illness-specific antibodies are required and thus the milk will increase in antibodies to protect the baby. It's a feedback system kind of based on the baby's backwash into the breast as it feeds. Pretty awesome. Breast milk also differs between day and night. First of all, prolactin levels are higher at night. I talked briefly about what prolactin is in part one, but basically in this case, it's the hormone responsible for milk production. So this means that often there is more milk at night. Also, night breast milk contains melatonin from the mother, helping your baby develop his own circadian cycle and eventually helping him learn to sleep for longer stretches. In addition to melatonin, night breast milk is made up of other sleep-inducing and brain-boosting substances, including serotonin, which you may have heard of as it's a key component in antidepressant drugs like SSRIs, and helps elevate mood, along with increasing brain function and helping with sleep-wake cycles. Another aspect showing how living and changing breast milk is, is that it changes flavour based on what a mother eats. This gives your child exposure to a whole range of flavours before they even get close to trying solids. It's very cool. Okay, I'll jump away from the incredible changes that occur in breast milk now and head back into listing off more benefits for baby. There's a whole range of research which suggests that breastfeeding improves brain development. One study showed exclusively breastfed babies had enhanced development in key parts of the brain associated with language, cognition, and emotional function as children when compared to formula-fed infants. A separate Brazilian study concluded that duration of breastfeeding positively correlated with higher IQ, years of schooling, and income at age 30. The study is unclear as to whether these results are clearly 
from nutritional content of breast milk or whether it's due to the nurturing behavior breastfeeding encourages. But either way, the results showed one way or another, the longer a child breastfeeds, the higher their IQ and income later in life. Due to a whole host of reasons, it's believed that breastfeeding reduces child mortality rates. As I've highlighted already, breast milk has an incredible and ever-changing composition, which helps fight and protect a child from illnesses. Children who breastfeed have enhanced immune systems as pre- and probiotics, as well as elements of the mother's microbiome and immune responses, are shared through feeding, helping with prevention and quicker recovery from disease. Prebiotics found in colostrum are shown to build up good bacteria in your baby's gut, with research showing that almost a third of the good bacteria in a baby's gut comes from breast milk and another 10% from the skin-to-skin contact at a mother's breast. Because of this incredible sharing of good bacteria and antibodies from the mother, babies who are breastfed are less likely to develop eczema. They are less likely to suffer from serious infections and chronic illnesses as well. They also have a reduced risk of obesity and developing diabetes and cardiovascular disease later in life. A 2017 study has shown that breastfeeding for at least two months cuts a baby's risk of dying of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, by almost half, and the longer a baby breastfeeds, the greater the protection. This is incredible, seeing as SIDS is the leading cause of death of babies between one month and one year of age. Again, the researchers cannot be 100% clear as to why this is, but they put it down to the immune benefits, effect on infant sleep patterns, and mother's responsiveness to children when breastfeeding. Okay, now that I've convinced you of the worth of breastfeeding for both mums and babies, I thought I'd address some tips that can be helpful to successfully breastfeed. Because yes, breastfeeding is a natural act that women have been doing since the beginning of time. But it's also a learned behavior for both mother and baby. It's almost a skill that needs teaching, guidance, support. Like I said in part one, we don't see women breastfeeding that much anymore. And if we do, it's definitely not close enough to give you some sort of idea of how to do it. New mothers need help establishing and sustaining appropriate breastfeeding practices to be able to stick to it for the long run. Now, because the World Health Organization and UNICEF have decided through research that breastfeeding saves lives, resources, and global economies, they launched a program across hospitals known as the Baby Friendly Health Initiative, BFHI. This program aims to motivate maternity and newborn care providers to implement what's known as the 10 Steps to Successful Breastfeeding in order to encourage and support women to breastfeed. These 10 steps are specifically aimed at hospitals and how hospitals care for women, but I'll pick out a few of their recommendations to share with you now, alongside some other tips that are known to increase breastfeeding rates and duration. So one of the biggest things you can do to initiate a good attachment is to have your baby placed skin to skin, so naked, on your bare chest as soon as it's born. Unless there is some medical condition or complication with you or your baby, there should be no reason your baby shouldn't go straight onto you. It doesn't need to be cleaned or have its vaccinations as soon as it's born. It doesn't matter what it weighs at this stage. All that will happen in the next few hours. What's most important is that the baby is left on your warm, bare chest 
where a baby can smell you, hear your heartbeat, snuggle into your breast and start feeding. If you and your baby are left undisturbed, your baby will follow a unique set of steps to initiate his first feed. Babies often settle down and rest on their mother's chest after that initial cry. And then the baby starts to wake up and shows signs of readiness to feed. It looks around for the nipple, nuzzles into the breast, smells and licks. The baby should then attach and feed generally within its first hour of life. Research shows that if a baby breastfeeds within that first hour, it's more likely to exclusively breastfeed for a longer duration than babies not breastfed in that first hour. So it's the first step in setting up a breastfeeding practice that lasts. Another point that is so important in those first few days is ensuring that the baby's positioning and attachment is right. Now, if you're staying in hospital, use your buzzer and ask someone to check. If you're not confident or if when baby feeds, your nipples feel pinched and painful or you just can't get the baby to attach, use your buzzer and ask for help every time you feed. Just get it checked. If you've discharged home, make sure at each follow-up appointment with your midwife, you get her to check that your breastfeeding looks right. Midwives are there to help. It's their job. In most hospitals, there's also a lactation consultant, which is basically a professional breastfeeding support. And they're normally there Mondays to Fridays. And they often run breastfeeding classes, but they also assist mothers one-to-one with specific difficulties. So take advantage of these professionals so that you go home or get through week one feeling confident and happy with your baby's feeding. Next up, exclusively breastfeed. This means don't give your baby any other food or drink, only breast milk. Obviously, for medical reasons, formula can be recommended sometimes. But if your baby is well, only breastfeed. It's so common for women to jump to giving their baby a bottle on the second night because their baby's awake every hour wanting to feed and mum feels exhausted and just needs a few hours sleep. But persist through this. Go into night two knowing that you won't get any sleep because babies are meant to cluster feed at this stage. It's normal that at this time they wake up, realise they want more than just that small amount of colostrum and they feed and feed and feed until your brain gets the message that this baby wants more food. And that's when it brings in the transitional milk and your breasts go up four sizes overnight and there's all of a sudden more milk. If you skip out on this cluster feeding by giving your baby some formula, it may actually affect your milk supply in the long run, as well as slowing down when your milk comes in in that first week, which can affect your baby's weight and general well-being. So please, if you are trying to breastfeed and plan to breastfeed your baby, expect no sleep and just keep cuddling and feeding that baby. On that point, the next tip is to breastfeed on demand. What this means is breastfeed your baby whenever they want. Whether that's every hour or every four hours or two hours straight and then three hours later and then another hour later, don't put them on a schedule and say they shouldn't be hungry. Gone are the days where babies were fed three hourly on the dot or for 10 minutes on each side and that was all they were allowed. No, breastfeed whenever your baby wants to feed and do so for as long as your baby wants. Often I'll be buzzed into a room on maternity ward where a tired new mom is asking why her baby's crying, stating that she fed an hour ago, her nappy's clean, etc. And yes, it's hard to know why your baby's crying, especially early on. But the best way to find out if your baby is hungry is to offer your breast. That's always my answer if a baby's crying. Try feeding him. If you're breastfeeding, you can't overfeed a baby. 
they choose when they're finished. And yes, sometimes they vomit, but that's okay. Don't hold back on feeding because you think your baby's had enough, especially in those first few days. Your baby's stomach at that stage is only the size of a marble, so it fills up and empties very regularly. And don't be concerned that you won't have the milk. The more the baby sucks at the breast, the more milk will be produced. And a breast that has been fed on can fill up again within 30 to 60 minutes. So continue rotating that baby from one breast to the next, and that's fine. Another of the 10 steps of successful breastfeeding or 10 steps to successful breastfeeding is to not use any bottles, teats or dummies. This is particularly important in the first six weeks as baby is learning how to attach properly. You're also learning how to respond to your baby's needs and your brain is learning how much milk is needed to feed this baby. By introducing a dummy or bottle, a baby can be confused by the different shapes and ways that they function. I know that bottle companies claim to create teats that are just like the nipple and breast, but it is very clear that a teat of a bottle works differently to a breast. Milk from a bottle requires a whole lot less and a different way of sucking to come out, which means if you're hoping to breastfeed, by introducing a bottle, the baby can have what's known as nipple confusion and become frustrated at the breast as it seems harder to get food. Baby may struggle to attach properly or may find milk flows differently from a breast than a bottle. So it's something to consider if you're choosing to pump and give express breast milk via a bottle. Maybe holding off on this until baby has established a good attachment will ensure it doesn't affect future breastfeeding. By using a dummy at this stage, it can sometimes affect milk supply as, yes, babies often suck for comfort, but how do we know at this early stage if baby's hungry or just needing comfort? By putting a dummy in your baby's mouth rather than a breast, it could mean he doesn't get the food he needs and your brain won't get the message to produce more milk if the baby isn't stimulating the breast. Dummies can be useful, but I'd probably hold off until about six weeks. Another important aspect of starting a good breastfeeding practice is having your baby room in, which basically means sleep with your baby next to you. Back in the day, babies were taken to nurseries overnight and brought to the mother when the baby was ready to feed. But now we know babies should be breastfed on demand. And so it's clear that keeping a baby as close to its mother as possible will help with ensuring it's fed when needed. This continues when you go home. If you can set up your baby's first sleep space in the bedroom with you, it'll mean you can respond to baby more quickly and it'll help you learn his feeding cues. Something else that has changed over the last decade or so is that it is now recommended to hold off on bathing your baby for at least 12 hours. The hospitals I've worked in have recommended after 24 or 48 hours, in fact. I understand it irks a lot of people because you just want that perfect announcement photo on day one, but your baby's all covered in goo and blood. But all that goo and blood is so important. The vernix, which is the thick white paste-like stuff on the baby's skin, most often seen in babies born early, is kind of like a moisturizer and it will absorb it into the baby's skin in the first day or so. It's also important to hold off on that first bath because babies struggle to maintain their temperature. So being wet makes it easy for them to get cold. An early bath also interrupts that important skin-to-skin time, which I've discussed, as it's so important for establishing breastfeeding, but also to keep baby warm and calm. Now, in part one, I discussed how important having a village is in being a mum. 
the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, looks somewhat different today as it probably did a long time ago. But one way or another, we need to have support to help us. And breastfeeding is definitely one part of being a mum that requires a good support team. Research shows that if a mother has good support to breastfeed from her partner and her own mother, she's more likely to breastfeed for a longer duration. On that note, and I probably could have included this when talking about not timing your baby's feeds or expecting them to fit a routine, if you're hoping to establish a solid breastfeeding practice with your baby, where baby attaches well, has enough milk on offer, and can continue exclusively breastfeeding for as long as you'd like, so basically if you value this potential breastfeeding relationship, put the effort in early. Don't invite visitors to come meet your baby if you aren't happy to breastfeed when they're there because the baby decides when it needs to be fed and your friends and family should respect and support that you are learning and trying to work out breastfeeding in those first few weeks. So if it's going to stress you out, if you have someone over and need to concentrate on feeding your baby, don't have them over. Only have people around that will help and support you towards breastfeeding if that's what your goal is. On top of your own personal community, village, There are also community supports out there that can be so useful to help you through some bumps and concerns when breastfeeding. When you discharge from the hospital, you may get some follow-up at home by a midwife and then a community nurse will visit and let you know about the child and family health drop-in clinics, which offer breastfeeding support. There's also the ABA, which is Australian Breastfeeding Association, which can be phoned for support. There are private lactation consultants, which can work through difficulties, and of course, your GP. Further into understanding the relationship between successful breastfeeding and community support, workplaces make a big difference in the duration women choose to breastfeed. Thankfully, in Australia, we have pretty great maternity leave, which allows most of us the opportunity to be home with our child and exclusively breastfeed for the first six months. Companies are now jumping on board with trying to support ongoing breastfeeding of babies when their mothers return to work, where a space and time to pump is provided so that a mother can keep up her supply. Although workplaces can definitely get better at this. Okay, so I might stop there because this could go on forever and off into many tangents on topics that I'm sure I could do whole podcasts on. I might just quickly run through the main points I've highlighted today so you're left with a summary of the podcast to continue thinking through. So benefits to baby that I've highlighted of breastfeeding include breast milk is all a baby needs for its first six months and makes up more than half the nutritional needs between six and 12 months. Breast milk changes specifically to meet your baby's needs. Now, I had multiple sub points under this because it's just so good. So the composition of fats, sugars, and nutrients change dramatically, starting as colostrum for the first few days, then over the next week or so, it's called transitional milk, and then after two to four weeks, it settles into mature milk. As your baby gets older and is getting nutrition from solids, the breast milk volume decreases, and it's made up mostly of immune properties, which is perfect for babies who put absolutely everything in their mouths. Breast milk is so complex and alive it cannot be replicated. It increases its fats when baby has a growth spurt. And when a baby's sick, antibodies are made and passed from the mother to fight that specific disease. It differs between night and day to help babies sleep longer at night. And the flavors of breast milk change based on the mother's diet. Another benefit is breastfeeding increases brain development. 
it reduces child mortality rates. It reduces the likelihood of children developing eczema, infections and chronic illnesses, obesity, diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And it cuts babies' risk of dying from SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, in half. So there's a lot there. And then we also went into tips on how to successfully breastfeed. So I'll run through them quickly. Basically, skin to skin at birth and initiate your breast, first breastfeed within the first hour of life. Make sure positioning and attachment is right. So check with the midwife in the first week. Exclusively breastfeed. Breastfeed on demand whenever your baby wants and for however long baby wants. Avoid use of bottles, teats and dummies in that first six weeks. Have baby room in. Hold off on baby's first bath for at least 12, 24, 48 hours. Ensure you only have supportive people around who will help you figure out breastfeeding, whether that's mums and partners or community supports. And that's that. Simple. (laughs) So I hope today and from listening to part one of Is Breast Best, you've learned some interesting points about breastfeeding that you may not have known before. I hope this helps you in deciding how to feed your baby and helps you respect mother's choices to continue to work hard and strive to breastfeed, even when it's tough. Again, sometimes it's not possible for all women to breastfeed. And if you're in that boat, I'm not here to tell you you're not caring for your child or that you're doing the wrong thing. This podcast is just to inform you about breastfeeding and educate on the benefits for baby and mum. Sadly, it's often reported that midwives do a very poor job at caring for and supporting mums who choose to formula feed. It can be a misconception that midwives can't support or encourage formula feeding. However, that's not true. Midwives aren't allowed to recommend a specific brand of formula, but if a woman is asking for information about both breastfeeding and formula feeding, midwives are to provide information to educate women on both options of feeding. And if a woman chooses to formula feed, midwives should happily educate and demonstrate the best way to bottle feed, make up formula, sterilize, etc., in hospitals that are accredited as following the Baby Friendly Health Initiative, as I mentioned, step one is to make breastfeeding care standard practice and not promote formula. So yes, midwives are biased towards breastfeeding. But step six of the 10 steps is to support women who do choose to formula feed to do so safely. Ultimately, it's up to you as the child's mum to choose what is best for you and your child. I hope that in doing so, you find support from those around you as they trust that you've made the best decision for your family. Thanks for listening again. I've loved thinking through all this information myself and enjoyed being reminded of how awesome our bodies are in creating food that changes, that's alive, and specifically meets uh, our growing baby's needs. Again, I hope this helps you on your journey with me to become a well-informed and confident mum. If you're interested to do some more reading around breastfeeding and to get access to some of the resources that I've used today, check out the show notes over at mumwillknow.com. And if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Hit me a message at mumwillknow on either Facebook or Instagram. And as always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please head to Apple Podcasts to give Mum Will Know a positive rating and a five-star review and let your friends know about it. Hit subscribe so you don't miss next week's interview episode and I'll I'll chat to you then. Bye.